Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a great episode for you guys today. My old friend I have not talked to in so many years is coming out of the podcast, Iron Trap. Yeah. Yeah. And you know Iron Trap now, don't you? I do, yeah. He's into hot rods, and he has this awesome YouTube series where he talks about building all these hot rods, and it's like how-to tutorials on things. This is so out of my wheelhouse. I don't know. By the end of the episode, Chris decides he wants a hot rod. He wants to build a hot rod, and has no idea whatsoever what he's talking about. Yes, and so we're going to talk about hot rods a little bit. We're going to talk about Volkswagens a little bit. We're going to talk about picking and how to be a picker, and give you some tips on, on what might work work for you if you get out there basically what it comes down to is uh, you better be someone that actually likes this stuff know what you're talking to. about and actually be nice yeah yeah so uh <laughs> before we get to that what have you got for us yeah let's take about our tip tip okay well i'm leaving that in do it again what have you that was that was a verbal stumble like i just fell down the stairs right there you did let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor petrol box which is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast each month they carefully select items including tools detailing supplies apparel garage gear, stickers, publications, hats, tools, wrenches, lights, stickers. There's, I'm trying to you list said stickers twice. I know I did. Yeah. That's not good. No, no. It, it is something different every single time. It's a curated selection of latest and greatest gear in the industry. It's like somebody bought you a gift and you don't know what it is and then you open it every month. It's great. It's great. That's yeah, exactly what great. happens. There's two different levels of subscription to choose from. You have the Petrox Basic, which costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. All right, our interview with Matt from Iron Trap Garage. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, dude? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, man. It's been a it's been a long time. I know. It's been a little while. I'm uh, <laughs> here with my co-host Jake. Hey, Matt. Okay, what's up, Jake? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. It has been, when was the last time we hung out, do you think? It has to be coming up on almost 10 years. Uh, yeah, it's probably, uh, it's got to be at least 10 years and many, many girlfriends ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had, I've had the same girl, but a lot of different cars. So it's kind of the same, same ballpark. Oh uh, yeah. I can't even count the cars, but the, you know, it's uh, usually gar- cars and girls or something is how I usually gauge time. <laughs> <laughs> so the last time we hung out, I think you had... I think you had a Swallowtail VR5 and a Silver Mark One Scirocco. Yeah, I don't even know at that point if I had the, the, the VR5 Rabbit at that point. Because I think, are you talking about when you shot those photos like ages ago? Mark yeah, Scirocco? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have that car then because I was like, I was living at like a different house that didn't have a lot of space. Uh, garage. I didn't have like any garage space. So, um, I only had the, I think I had the Scirocco. Yeah, I don't even remember anymore. I definitely <laughs> didn't have that V5. So I got, I built that at like the, that was one of the, probably one of the last Volkswagens that I built. The VR5, um, so that only came over in Europe. Do you have to import that? Yeah, that was only, I think it was only made, now stretching my memory here. I think it was only made for like, I don't know, four years or five years or something like that. And then, and uh, yeah, it was only in Europe. And I had the later version. So yeah, I bought a, I bought a 
Mark shit, Mark Four that was like failed MOT in England. I bought it on eBay. And then I had uh, a friend just cut it up over in England and then shipped the front half to me um, with just the end, you know, the whole entire drivetrain, the dash, all that stuff. And then I, you know, grabbed what I needed for the engine swap. So what so. what was it about that car and doing that car that made it the last Volkswagen that you did? <laughs> you know, what? because um, you've moved far well, beyond. You're doing like hot rods and stuff right now, which for me, as somebody that's not into that, it's super interesting. Like I look at that and I go, wow, that's really cool, really great stuff. But how do you make yeah. that leap? Uh, well, I think I, I mean, I grew up around American cars as a kid. And, you know, my my hometown is very like antique car centric. I mean, I have, a, I have two antique car museums in like walking distance from my 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 house. So um, I've always been around that. But that um, I I didn't think I could afford it or I couldn't afford it, you know, to buy a, you know, I basically traded all of my like I had essentially like the most badass mark one parts collection in the country you, did. you had everything <laughs> and for people yeah, that so don't like, know a swallowtail with a vr5 is putting two very rare things together swallowtail was yeah. only made for like two years it was the first of the all the volkswagen rabbits yeah yeah so i kind of like at that point i had already i think i already had when i built that v5 rabbit i think i already had a couple of american cars at that point and i was starting to like um i was starting to like make my you know step my way up and that's pretty much my whole story is i've been like stepping up or flipping and buying and selling and trading to get to where i want to be or what i want and you know i wanted to get some cool american cars so i started with some you know crappier stuff or low-end stuff and and how many um, valve covers did you trade for the first one because <laughs> your valve cover collection uh, was crazy i think i sold i pretty much sold all of my i sold all of my volkswagens just about and I like bought, I think one or two, like basically a bunch of parts. I bought enough to build a like Model A, a Ford Model A. So like I bought like a nice body and a bunch of speed equipment and an engine. And I had to trade like multiple rabbits to get just like a pile of parts. So it was very depressing because I like went from being, I mean, it was cool. It was humbling because it went from being like, you know, I have all the shit, you know, I could flex type thing because i had everything i wanted when i wanted to build something so that's like, what you want right, to do on the forum is flex yeah so like <laughs> i went from that to like literally nothing and i'm like going to you know i'm going to flea markets in a whole another world that i don't know anybody i don't you know i don't i'm still learning the ins and outs of what's good and what's bad like i so the the v5 rabbit was kind of like i don't want to say i beat volkswagen like i i say that in my <laughs> in my, in my t- like to me, I had accomplished, like I had built a bunch of cars and done all kinds of different stuff. And I had found like pretty much some of the most rare parts in the world. So like, that was like one of my last things I was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, let me find an engine swap that no one has ever done in a rabbit with like the most rare rabbit in a rare color with a rare interior. And then I'm going to get this rare engine and I'm going to be the first one to have one running and driving in the world, you know, and I kind of did that and it was really cool. And then it was kind of like, how do you top that? What do you do next? You put all the quarters into the video game machine. You got your your initials at the top on the top score <laughs> list. And then it <laughs> and was that just, was it. That was it. You didn't need to play the game anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy because like that car is now like legendary. But like at the time when I was driving it, like I don't think like social media hadn't taken off as much. So like it was basically just forums. Mm-hmm. And now like years later, I'm seeing people like tagging me in posts of people like, 
oh my God, I found this thread, this really old thread of a guy that built this V5 rabbit, whatever happened to him. People are like, all these people are losing their shit on Instagram and people, yeah. you know, a couple of old guys that know me will tag me and be like, like, yep, car's still around. You know, one of my buddies owns it and that's pretty much it. So, Jersey still has it now has its own Instagram. I saw Does it that. really? The, wow. the one, the one I built has its own Instagram and people tag no me in some of those photos sometimes and stuff like that. <laughs> it's crazy. I crazy. went back and yeah. I was like, I was looking at, uh, I went to text you. I'm like, oh, I got your phone number off Instagram. And then I put it in my phone and I started to text you. I had your number saved. It says Matt, saddest day, 666, which was your your screen name back in the day on VW Vortex. So I'm like, yep, oh, I yep. wonder if I can go find any of his old threads. So I went and found some old threads and stuff and stumbled across my old build thread on the forum, which was just basically filled with me telling people to go F themselves and, and just continually rub everybody the wrong way. But it made me kind of... You know, it was 165 pages long, but it kind of made me miss the forum stuff. Because if you look oh, at yeah. the way the forums were, and especially yep. build threads, you would have like this, you'd go through and you'd work on the car for a couple of days and you'd go through and you'd post what you did mm -hmm. with photos on the build thread. Yep. Now there was one post where I'm like, this is, you know, I did, I did the window and I found this trick with this Lyle tool to put the trim in. This was great. And made, you know, my fingers hurt, but it worked really awesome. And you guys could try this next time. Cause everybody hates this, blah, blah, blah. And that information was great. And people could come read it and comment and talk back and forth. And then it just stayed there. It seems like yep. everything now is just so fleeting, fleeting. And the, and the car stuff is so, so fast. There's no need to do car shows, all the everything seems to have changed, at least in that in that Volkswagen kind of cube. What do you other than social media, do you think there's anything else that, you know, contributed to the demise of that? Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. I think um I I I'm fortunate enough that I've, you know, I've crossed over multiple um niches, you know, niche of different niches of of uh classic cars and you know, where I worked at Eastwood, obviously, for, for 11 or 12 years, 11 years. And, yep. um, you know, I was exposed to like pretty much every I got to dip my toe in just through marketing and advertising, like all these different types. And like, I think that definitely all of the car, the different types of cars that the crowd skews younger, it, it definitely like, you know, they they want like instant gratification. So they want, you know, they, they don't want to have to show that they did all this hard work or they had to st take three steps back because they did something wrong. They want to be able to flex with a cool photo with a vague, a vague description, you know, or a lyric to a song or something. And, <laughs> and a blow up doll you know, sticking and, out of the sunroof. Yeah. And, and everybody's, you know, everybody's like, you know, liking the photo. Whereas I'm now into the antique car and the old school hot rod world. And like, even the younger guys, everybody's kind of more old school. So like there's a, there's a hot rod forum that's still going really strong. And it's like one of the only car forums that's still people have build threads and, you know, there's like people check it regularly. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the social media stuff definitely, you know, there's, you could follow a guy on Instagram and you, you get his build thread just through his stories and, mm -hmm. you know, posts. But I, I also agree with you. I liked that people like all that information stayed there. Cause you know, I used to reference that a lot when I would build a car, I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember this guy in Ohio, like he had this neat way that he, you know, did the wiring for this swap. Let me go back and like, look at how he did it. Cause he put all the photos up and right. you know, that was when, when photo bucket was still like free and <laughs> everything stayed forever. <laughs>
So when you mean when you say hot rod, that could mean a lot of different things. Like when you say hot rod to a Porsche guy, you're talking about a car that's been you know modified maybe in a in a certain style with maybe some motor mods stuff like that. And what do you mean when you say hot rod? What kind of cars are we talking about? Uh, for me, uh, what I'm into is what they call traditional hot rods and customs. So it is um, pretty much any car that was built uh, like. I, some people go as far as 64, but I, I pretty much stop in the 50s. Um, so anything 50s and older that's done in a traditional way. So everything that I, I build or people that are into this style or you're building the cars, using old parts, doing stuff in the old way, how it would have been done in the 40s and 50s. So like not so much like we have to use the exact some guys go that far. But like, you know, you know, I still use a TIG welder and, you know, some modern tools but like you're using all old school parts. So we're not putting, you know, NLS, we're not doing fuel injection. We're doing, you know, you're, you're figuring the stuff out, uh, how they did it back in the day. So why, uh, what, what is with, why do you do uh, that? It's, it's nostalgia. I mean, it's the same as anything. Like for me, that era of like world war two era and just post world war two was the literally the coolest, um, as far as, uh, not to get like in the political stuff, but like as far as like styling and and just everything at that time was so so perfect. Like every I always talk about like down to like your refrigerator handle was stylized. Like some guy sat in the draft, you know, on a drafting table and drew out like this stylized handle for your refrigerator. So like everything was so thought out and cool back then, like clothes, cars, everything. So like. I just, you know, I've always been struck by that style. I mean, like, you know, James Dean, like it's, you know, like there's, you don't have to say anything. You just, you just see a photo of him, like, you know, he's cool. And if that's, so that's, it goes all the way into the cars. Those were the original badasses. Those were the guys that, um, you know, some of those guys that started out as hot rodders, just drag racing in their hometown became guys that invented, you know, things that are very important or, you know, in racing and, in automobiles today, you know, that, that they started out just building model A's in their little hometown with a little, you know, four banger and putting multiple carburetors and chopping the roof. And then, you know, as they progressed, these guys, you know, went on to, you know, be on the team that, that, um, you know, designed a big block Chevy or something like that. So it's interesting um, to think about how they learned about things. You know, we learn, yeah. we just go on the internet, we can just look and we go, oh yeah, there's, here's a YouTube video that tells me step-by-step step how to do this. In the fifties, yep. there were, A, there was none of that. Right. There was yep. absolutely none of that. So you either needed to know a guy or you had to figure it out yourself and make mistakes yep. over and over and over again until you, until you got it, which we kind of had a little bit of that when we, before forums yep. and stuff like that, but we still could go, you know, to library and get welding books and all this other stuff. That was not the way back then. Yeah, I mean, a big a big part of it is um, was kind of the same thing, like reading books and manuals. And then um, back then, magazines were huge. So right. Hot Rod Magazine um, started in 48, I think it was off the top of my head. So like, you know, after like 48, like all these magazines came out and all those magazines were about telling you how to do things. So everybody was subscribed to these magazines and then you would look, you know, an article would tell you how to chop the roof on a 34 Ford. And then you had a 34 Ford, you would sit there with a magazine in your garage and just step-by-step chop your car because they had to do it. So it was, you know, similar idea. And and I kind of like that challenge nowadays because 
even nowadays, there still isn't, there isn't, a, you still have to kind of do it that way. Like there isn't, other than my YouTube channel, there isn't really anyone out there that's really showing what I would say, like, quote unquote, the secrets of hot rodding. Like they don't tell you the the nitty gritty of how to do stuff. So like, you know, you go to lower a, an early straight axle car, there's all these things that you have to do to make the car actually steer. Well, that was just, that was passed down through the years through word of mouth and hanging around garages. You learn this stuff. But nowadays, if a young guy wants to get into an antique car, an old hot rod, like you can't just go down the street to a guy building one. Like, you know, you don't see them that often. So you still have to get old magazines and ask questions and read books. Like that stuff that was printed in 48 and the fifties, it's still like the Bible. You still, I still go back to those magazines all the time myself and read an article to learn how they did it. It is funny you mentioned your YouTube channel, though, Matt, because my dad just picked up a Model A project uh, last year, and I oh, mentioned cool. that you were coming on the podcast. He goes, oh, Iron Trap. Yeah, I watched those videos to learn how to, you know, like put together his front suspension on this. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, it's, it's obviously a resource. You know, I've yeah, always wanted to... In the back of my mind, you know, right now I've got the Porsche. I've got this old W114 Mercedes that I'm working on and an Isuzu Trooper that I'm putting a TDI in. And, I'm, and I've kind of always kept things in my wheelhouse, right? I've always had Mercedes yep. stuff around, Volkswagen stuff around. But I've never made the leap out of the, the kiddie pool, I guess you could say. <laughs> I've never made the leap out of the kiddie pool. If I wanted to make the leap out of the kiddie pool into some, you know, 40s car or whatever, or some old hot rod, how you know, what is the way to do that? Like what, what cars are good to start out on? Um, well, I always tell people like the, cause I, I, I we get these emails and calls quite often. That's the, the really great thing about our channel is we, we do get a lot of people start watching us and then they will want to buy a project. They'll just start watching us casually and be like, you know what? I think I do want to own a, you know, an old hot rod or custom. So I always tell people like either go to car shows and like, kind of everyone is drawn to a type or style of car like if you start trying to get into the early cars so like if you walk around and and you're not like influenced by anybody around you or you're looking at you know photos if you just google hot rod or custom or something like that there'll be a type of car that you you know will probably stick out to you and from there you can kind of tweak it and a lot of what it is is in the end of the day, it's, it's money, it's budget. These cars are very, you know, much like the Porsche stuff that you're into, like it's gotten really expensive. So even to buy like a rusted out piece of crap is expensive. So a lot of people are drawn to the cars that are the most iconic, you know, a 32 Ford or a 34, 33, 34 Ford. Well, they're super iconic, but they're also the most expensive because they are the most iconic. So um, from there you have to decide, are you willing to save the money or get what you want? Or are you okay with like, you know, going a little to the side and getting a 32 Dodge or 32 Chevy, which looks very similar, but is like a quarter of the cost. Right. I like and the Chevys. I think those look pretty sweet. I, I would, you know, for someone that's, you know, not super, I don't have any loyalty to any of this i'm just like how can you get into this in a reasonable way and still just have a good time and learn you know that's one of the best things about doing any of it is if you go too far out of your wheelhouse you're going to learn a lot real fast (laughs) yeah it's it's the same idea as like to to put in the stuff that you that you would know is like you know like back in the day a quantum 
wasn't worth anything, you know, it was like worth a dollar, but like rabbits and tarakos, they had a little bit of value. So they were a little more expensive to get cool stuff. So it's the same idea. Like you could, it's still like the same kind of car. It's just, it's not the one, you know, it's not a two door rabbit, you know? So it's the same idea. Like you could, and it changes throughout the years. So like a fifties car, it kind of flip flops and the Chevys are more expensive than the Ford product in some of the fifties stuff. So it's just like, it's really, it follows what was popular back in the day. So like, you know, whatever sold good or, you know, whatever cars were famous for being customized, then, you know, those cars are really expensive or popular. But once you get into the fifties, the stuff's very, like you can get a pretty affordable fifties car pretty easily. It's, it's mainly the, the thirties and forties stuff. That's I know. Really I, I really like, like the, the, the 30 Chevy sedans. I like that's, I mean, yeah, I yeah. really love when I, I went to Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway not too long ago and I went into their museum and I love all of the old indie cars. So that's oh, yeah. that's really the look that I like is no top, open wheel. You know, some of them are boat tails, some of them aren't, but I really love that style. So I feel like I would want to try to recreate something like that. Yeah, that would be uh, that like all those indie guys, they were like they were early hot rod guys. They were just they were the hot rod guys that like were natural, were much better at it than everybody else. So like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so, so those guys were like way smarter. So they were building stuff that was really going fast and not like was as dangerous, but, um, yeah, you could build like, um, before in, you know, before the Indies, Indy 500 type cars, like the, they did like speedsters they're called. So like in the early days in the teens and the twenties, um, they were building model T's, that were basically look a lot like what became the indie cars and stuff like the boat tails. They were, they were doing that in the teens and twenties. So there was these like little model T cow, you know, they started with just like the, the cow of a model T and then they'd put a boat tail on the back and they'd hop it up a little bit with, you know, open wheels, like you're saying, and, you know, multiple carburetors. And they really just were taking a bunch of stuff off to try and make this little like, 30 horsepower engine go fast, you know, make the car go as fast as it could. The trick with those Model Ts is you got to have the special front grill. I'm trying to remember. It's like the, the Lakes grill, right? The rounded one. Yeah, they have the, they have that style grill that they, they ended up using that a lot on race cars that they, that were really common, but they're again, not, depending on the era that you're into, there was a car called a whip it, um, that had a really iconic grill that they would always put on those speedsters. And then, yeah, they had those track nose grills that are really famous, and they started putting them on all the like um, a lot of sprint cars and stuff like that. Started having those, so yeah, a lot, all that's what's crazy about a lot of this. Like almost everything started with like a little Model T or Model A hot rod in a small little town, and and the stuff those guys were doing eventually it filtered into racing and and was used years you know years and years later. Guys are doing that, so it's it's pretty neat yeah there's i'm i'm just looking on the internet while you're talking right now it's <laughs> it's just model t speedster google image search and i'm yep. i'm just in love yeah that track yeah. knows is yep. i think that's where it's at it is it is yeah, fantastic yeah. so at this time so you're starting to get into the hot rod stuff you're working for uh working for eastwood and you yep. have to start finding parts which means you need to go look around because a lot of the guys that are going to have parts for this stuff they're not on facebook they're not posting stuff in the newspaper. They're not on Instagram no. or Craigslist or anything like that. So you got to go find this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've 
I even, I mean, that's, I've always had a knack for that. I, I always, I tell the story a lot that like, even when I was a little kid riding around on my bicycle in the little, you know, farm country I lived in, like I was digging in abandoned barns and, you know, just looking for neat stuff. So I've always had that knack. And then when I was doing the Volkswagen stuff, like I just have a natural skill, I guess, at finding, sniffing out like rare parts and good stuff. And, um, why, so what I is, what do you, with, what is it about you that you're good at that? You got to extrapolate um, that a little bit. What are you doing that makes you good? Um, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, just doing, and, and it's stuff that, again, is lost nowadays, but like general uh, networking and just talking to people. And like, it's really crazy to say, but in this day and age, like so many younger people are not good at just like they're socially awkward and they won't yeah. like walk up to a stranger and have a conversation. Like that's weird, you know, but like, in the old days, like, and it's still that way with the old, like the cars that I'm into, like, and, and I'm sure it's like that with some of the stuff you're into. Like a guy will just walk up to me at a gas station when I'm driving one of my old cars, but oh, I used to have a Model A, blah, blah, blah. And you start talking to him and like, if I'm not an asshole, like, and I generally try and have a conversation with him, like it's led to a bunch of stuff where the guy's like, well, actually I still got some parts left over from that Model A I built when I was like 19 and he's like 87. Why don't you come over and take a look? And then, you know, you walk in this barn and it's like, oh, my God, he's got like, you know, all this rare stuff or, you know, parts. So, so a lot of that's been it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. I The, the networking and, and making friends and, and just having conversations with people usually leads to the most, you know, um, the best. Some of the best finds are just from that stuff, whether it's directly or indirectly sometimes it's indirectly where you're just like i'm friends with a lot of like older guys in my area that are kind of past their prime like they still have old cars but they're not like they're not competing with me to go find new stuff because they've been doing it their whole life so they don't really care about chasing cars or parts anymore so like they will just because i'm friendly with them and interested they will just call me and be like hey my friend bob uh is you know, is getting up there in age and wants to sell his stuff. I know you're into this stuff. Um, do you want first shot at it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm getting that phone call just simply because I was nice to this other guy and, you know, just, you know, made conversations. You know what that's called? That's called what goes around comes around. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm big. I'm big in believing in that. That's for sure. That's definitely part of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm very determined when it comes to that stuff. So I just like obsess over finding it and looking for parts and you know so i spend an ungodly amount of time so have you done any kind of i guess what i would call a cold call on a house where there's just a house with a you can just maybe there's like a porcelain you can sign. see something in the weeds out yeah there. I've, I've done that a bunch of times oh. where you, i saw you know volkswagen rabbit like gr- growing weeds yep. out of it and I, of course i stopped by and i had this great experience with this dude named lloyd and uh, mm-hmm. which is on a, one of our other podcasts i'll send it to you if you want but it's just this kind of story but do you do a lot of that yeah, um, I don't do it as much anymore just because I'm getting a little spoiled with the channel. But like for most of my life, yes, it was just a matter of like leaving a note in a, you know, in a mailbox or on a window shield or, you know, knocking on the door and stuff like that. So like, yeah, I've done that a ton. I mean, I've I I've, I can't even count how many times I've done that where I've just like left a note on a, you know, on a car or or, you know, whatever, or, or like you're saying, you see, like, there's neat stuff on the property. You could tell they probably have cool stuff, you know, and you just stop in. 
Um, and I've done that a bunch. I don't know. It, it's getting tough since the American Picker show has come out. Mm-hmm. It's gotten a lot tougher to do that because people are kind of like, they know the, sh- the shtick now. It's kind of like, Oh, cool. You're, you know, you're, you're one of those picker guys. And it's like, well, I guess, but I'm just, you got any neat old stuff. So I always I've kind found- of, I have this. So when I met this guy named Lloyd, he had all kinds of rabbits shoved in a shed and he was kind of talking mm-hmm. to me about how his kids didn't care and stuff like that, but he still really loved the cars. He was, he was up there. He was, he was an old dude. I ended up just buying a tailgate from him. I, Cause I just wanted, I wanted a piece of the experience that I had with the guy. You know, I just, right. I had talked to him. His wife had just passed away and he had her little, little Mark four beetle sitting out there with the eyelashes on. He's like, Oh yeah, that was her car. And this is her dog tornado. Who's like spinning in circles on the ground <laughs> at my feet and all this stuff. It was this wonderful experience experience and yeah and i've met other people too where they just have they just have stuff right they just they have the things that they have and i know people that are alive that have have this stuff i know people that are gone that have had this stuff and i always feel bad trying to take something i always feel like i'm taking something from them and i know that's not always true but i feel like i'm they've spent the time collecting this stuff over the years and it becomes part of who they are and part of their identity if they're a collector right it just becomes it becomes yeah. a reflection of their personality what they like what they love it's what they've chosen to spend their their money which they trade the time for the money and then they use this money to buy this stuff it's like it's like a direct representation of the time they spent on earth is this stuff so then yep. I'm like, I always feel bad being like, hey, man, do you want to sell that thing? You know, that means so much to you. How do you get past that that mental block that I have to just ask a guy and be like, hey, man, will you sell that? Um, I think a lot of it, I, I am doing it so long. I'm very good at reading personalities and, and reading the room, so to speak. So like some people you have to tread lightly. There's people that are definitely like very, very emotional to the point where like, you know, just asking to buy something or, you know, like, cause a lot of times what I'm dealing with is like a widow and her husband has died. Mm. So like, you know, you start asking to buy these things, then it brings up these emotions. And sometimes you have to tiptoe around, but like in your case where you're dealing with the guy that actually owns the stuff, if he's, you know, some of these guys are really crazy and they just don't want to sell the stuff and it's difficult to get them to let loose. And, but I don't know. I, I usually, do you have any stories of like something that you really wanted that a guy just uh, wouldn't sell? Oh, all the time. I mean, it happens. It happens all the time. I, I, I have a, I actually have an older friend of mine that, um, I befriended just meeting him going to like, like old car, like estate auctions or farm auctions. And he and I were always bidding against each other. And he was usually kind of rude to me just cause he's like a, he's just a rough around the, you know, the edges kind of old guy. And just like, you even know what the hell you just bought, and, you know, and after like, years of us like having these you know few words back and forth we started talking and fast forward a number of years now he's like literally like my my father grandfather like he's he comes over to my shop just like unannounced multiple times a week i you know i come and help him and anyways it started out with when we first started talking he told me he had a 32 ford three window coupe which is like the holy grail and he bought it when he was like 16 in like 1959 and he started hot rodding it and he never finished it. And then he put it in a, like a, like a tractor trailer, um, trailer, if you will, like a 40 foot container trailer, um, on one of his properties and he never touched it again. So like I kept asking him and every time I would see him out somewhere like, Hey, what's up with that? You know? And then I quickly realized that like, 
he didn't want it. He wasn't going to sell it. He just liked the fact that he owned it and mm-hmm. he liked to tell people he owned it, but not sell it. And now many years later, like we've become really good friends and, and I just stopped asking him every now and then I'll, we'll talk about it if he brings the car up, but like, I don't even, you know, I'm still interested in the car, but like the only way I'm going to get to buy that car is if is because of being friends with him. And maybe if he passes away, I'm friendly enough with him and his wife, they might give me first shot at buying the car. But like he has unlimited money. He has no interest in selling. So like you might as well get some of these guys. You just you're not it's, you're it's going nowhere. So the more you want it, the mess. more they're not going to sell it to you. Is <laughs> yes, pretty much what it comes down yes. to. And I'm probably going to be that asshole guy when I'm that over that age. Because I hope I, I can, can be. I really <laughs> hope I can be. I'm already I'm already that way with some stuff because I have a lot and you know I've I've been fortunate enough to collect a lot of really rare hot rod parts and I have people that will come over that you know and. and these guys that'll come over to have a lot of money and maybe older guys and just be like, you know, everything's for sale. Everybody's got a number of that whole thing. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. A young guy like that, you could probably use some money, pay off your house. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I, I got, I'm fine. Like, well, you know, plop some money down on the table. I'm like, I told you, I don't, money's not going to buy that part. Like, um, I, and I, their I, brain I'm just goes, like, yeah, just, yeah. Just don't understand. <laughs> yeah. They don't like some guys just don't get it. Like once you start chasing these rare parts the rare part and the experience of finding that part is worth more than any money so if i sell some of those parts you're selling that memory and so i i used to not get it when i was younger but now as i've gotten older and i you know you spend your whole life chasing some of this stuff like when you do get that part you coveted all these years it's like well why would i just sell it for money that isn't going to equal that part it's going to put a hole in the shelf and you know whatever so it's the same way with these cars, with some of these older guys, like my friend, he, he, why would he sell that car? He can go look at it in his trailer anytime he wants, even if he's never going to finish it, he knows he has it. And the satisfaction of he owns a 32, three window coupe. So it's, it's uh, I get it nowadays as I get older. What is the, of all your picks and everything you've done, whether it's cars, cause you do a lot of not car stuff too. Obviously when you, you know, you discover a guy yeah. that's got an old model a in his garage or in his barn Odds are he's probably got some other cool stuff too. And maybe yep. stuff that that guy doesn't even know is cool. He just has it kind of like my grandpa yep. with his stuff in his basement. It's like tube, tube radios all over the place and just random things <laughs> that are just cool just because of the time period that they're from. What is the, the number one best pick you've ever had when you stumbled across this thing? It blew your mind. Tell us the story about finding whatever that was. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, they get better all the time. So our channel Again, I, our channel is kind of made it a little easier for me now. So um, fast forward to nowadays, I'm buying out whole entire estates. So like I walk into a building and I say, I'll take everything. So I just buy all the cars, all the parts. You know, I'll buy if I can, I'll buy literally every single thing. So now we're starting to get emails from families that are like, hey, like we don't want to deal with an auction company. Mm-hmm. You want to take everything. So. Um, I just did one this past uh, summer in Michigan where, uh, so again, 1932 to 1934 Fords are like, they're kind of the pinnacle of, of old hot rods. So a guy emailed me and said, hey, uh, uh, a friend of mine collected 1934 Ford cars and parts his whole entire life, and he's now ready to sell, but he only wants to sell it all as one shot, one deal, one price, you take everything. And 
through some negotiating and lots of phone calls, we, we came to a price and pretty much that was it. And it was like insanity. We did, we did a big video on it that, that did very well. And, um, basically it was like, I don't remember how many cars, six or six, seven cars. I don't remember and parts. And it was like these two or three barns in, um, in, I don't want to say Northern Michigan, but right where you about to go over the bridge to go to the UP, um, there, but the guy was like, literally was on this dirt road in farm country. You would never, ever know it was there. And these barns were just filled with all these cars and parts. And it was like the, you know, the Holy grail of early Ford stuff. And even though they sent me a bunch of photos, like it was better than I expected. Like all the cars he bought in California and Montana and all these dry states when he was younger. So he was smart enough to buy like rust free cars so every single car was basically rust free that I bought. It was like insanity. Like that, like nothing was, they might've been like dented up cause he bought them off like in the desert or something, but right. they were all nice. So he had all that stuff. And then we got there and like, you know, typical, I brought a little extra money to, in case he had extra stuff. And then he had all these porcelain signs and he had these, um, I saw like the corner of one in a photo and I kind of knew they were there, but, um, there was all these porcelain signs that ended up being, two or three um, giant, like six or seven foot long Ford porcelain double-sided like Dior signs that would have been outside of the dealership on a giant pole. And this guy had like two or three of them. Like to find one is like insanity. And this guy had like, he had two double-sided ones and then he had two more single signs without what they call the can, the center section. And I didn't know that stuff was there. I just, we moved one of the cars I bought and behind it was a stack of signs. I'm like, you didn't tell me about these. I was like, oh, I didn't know you wanted signs, you know, basically. And, <laughs> and, you know, we start talking. He's like, oh, yeah, I bought them out of like this little newspaper called Old Old Cars Weekly or something like that. He's like a guy had it advertised in, Minna, in I think it was in Minnesota, like way north somewhere. And he's like, I, the guy's brother worked for Greyhound and he put these giant, they got away like, I don't know, 125 pounds a piece. Like he, he just put them on a Greyhound bus and shipped them to this guy in Michigan and he's like, yeah, I just had the guy ship them and they were, you know, whatever. I'm like, Oh my God, like these are insane. And, uh, so yeah, we, we ended up getting a 53 foot like low boy trailer that we loaded a bunch of the cars on. I had a car trailer with two vehicles on it. We filled every single car with parts. And then I have a friend from Michigan that we ended up putting extra stuff that we couldn't fit on his trailer that he eventually brought back to me. And it was like, in an insane amount of stuff. So that was probably the coolest one just because it's like, you know, to find one of those cars is crazy, but to find like, you know, a whole entire collection and then be able to buy it all in one shot. That was probably one of the best ones ever for me, for sure. So do you miss, now you talked about the contrast of like, oh, someone will just email me now and I can just go and buy the whole thing. Do you miss the original the way, hunt. the hunt, the way that you used to have to do it? Oh yeah. I, I mean, I still do that regularly. I'm always on the hunt. I mean, that happens all the time. It's just, it, I've gotten, I joke with my buddy, Mike, that I do the bit, I do the channel with and, and he runs my parts business. Like we we're spoiled now. So like you go on these like little, like word of mouth picks and you get there and you're like, Oh man, there was only like a pickup truck worth of stuff we got, you know, cause when you're getting like 53 foot trailer loads of stuff, it's like, Oh, and we get all like bummed down and we like, come back down to reality. I'm like, that, that was awesome. Why are we like bumming out? So 
we still do that all the time. I mean, I still go to SWAT meets during the summer and, you know, get up at like 4 a.m. and get to the SWAT meet when the gates open and walk the SWAT meet looking for that one part or, you know, stopping at a yard sale and walking around. Like, I still do all that stuff. It's just I probably don't waste as much time chasing. Like, I only do it if it's convenient. Right. Whereas, like, I used to go to, like, like in my in Pennsylvania, like farm auctions are really big. So I used to go like during the summer, you can go to like, I don't know. I, I used to go to like three or four auctions on every Saturday. And and like I would waste a whole day and buy like one thing. So I've gotten to the point now where it was like the time versus the, the pay, you know, the, the reward wasn't worth it. But right. I don't know. Still, not, nothing's better than like that. So you do you have any negotiation car. tactics for us greens? <laughs> you know that what is when you go and you meet a guy and it's it's blind. You haven't met him before and you're trying to buy stuff. What are some tactics to kind of you know grease the wheels and butter up the frying pan a little bit? Well, if it's if it's an older like guy like you were talking about that like you know he spent his life. He's very passionate about what he has. Those guys, you have to gain their respect. So you they need to see that you're into this stuff too. Um, a lot of those guys, they get super turned off if you're just like immediately all business. Like I have some friends that like buy and sell, um, like I do, but they go in and they, they don't, they don't romance the guy. Like you got, like they just come in and start pointing around the room and going, how much for this? How much for that? And the guy's bullshit detector is like, ding, 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 just like going off like crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So like you end up just like, you have to like, you have to go there and spend time. Like, you know, the guy wants to, if the guy's friendly, he's going to show you around and tell you all the stories. And like, if you're trying to rush him and just, that everything seems like the he, best part. Uh, like that's, I would love that. I, I do too. Like I enjoy the stories and the, you know, learning how the guy got the stuff or, you know, all these, all these people that coll- have big collections, they have interesting stories. Like, you know, so it's, I think that's a big part of it. And like, showing that you actually like know what you're talking about seems to like gain a lot of respect. So like, you know, they, they see that you're into it. And like, if I pick up some part and the guy's like, you know, or I, I point something out in the garage and I'm like, Oh, what's up with that? You know, whatever that's kind of hiding. And like, you know what that is? Yeah. That's a, you know, a 34 Ford accessory fender skirts. And I'm like, how do you know that? I'm like, I'm super into this stuff. You know, I read books, I blah, blah, blah. And then instantly like, they're already like on their good side. And then when you're ready to buy something, um, they're, they're a little easier to work with and they're not like instantly like, Oh, you're trying to make money off of me. Um, so I have to tiptoe around that because I do buy and sell for like, you know, business. So usually I tell people up front, like I'll, I'll say like, Hey, you know, I am going to buy some stuff to resell, but a few of these things I want for myself. And, you know, I'm just honest with them. And mm-hmm. I think people appreciate that. But like the other big thing I found is you got to show guys, you're, especially old timers, that you're not a time waster. So every old guy thinks that every young guy is a, is a cheap SOB and has no money. So even if you're walking in there with 50 G's in your pocket, they still think because you're young, you're not going to have any money. So like usually on the first one or two items that I buy, I try and like step up and like pay you know, maybe not too much, but like, you know, I might pay close to retail for it just so that they know that I'm, you know, serious and that I'm going to actually, you know, buy stuff. So that always seems to help for me. Um, and so it depends on the situation. Like when I go to buy, I'm looking to buy a lot. So like 
I'm playing the long game for the day. Like I want to, I want to leave there and fill my pickup truck, not just buy one thing. So I usually try in the first couple items, I'm going to step up and pay a little more. But then I know that later on in the day, I'm going to remind the guy of that. Like, Hey, remember, you know, the, those, those cylinder heads I bought earlier, like I didn't haggle you at all, all day. Like this one thing I got to, we got to work a little on the price. Right. And then the guy will be like, Oh, all right. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, I could come down a hundred bucks to your price. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, I got 50 bucks off each item doing it that way. And so it's, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just showing them you're not a time waster and, and, you know, without making them think that they can take advantage of you. Cause a lot of these old guys are also like, they're smart. They're not, they've been doing it, you know, their whole lives too, wheeling and dealing. Yeah. The, the, how do you so, think they got all that stuff in the first place? <laughs> yeah. So like I've had a lot of those old guys that it kind of backfires on me and they're like, Oh, this guy's got money. And then all the prices go up like 25. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is some young guy that's got money. And then you're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. That's like, that's like double what it's worth. And I'm like, Oh, well you just seeing if you'd, you know, where, how far you'd go. And I'm like, well, I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so you must run yeah. into some pretty interesting characters. Is there anybody that comes to your mind that sticks out as one of the more interesting dudes that you've, you've run into and picked? Um, yeah. I mean, we've had a ton of them that were just like out of control, you know, just totally lost their minds type situation. Um, a lot of, a lot of these estates I go into, the, the person has passed away and it's the family we're dealing with. So like, you know, they'll, they'll be telling us stories or you can just tell that the person was really out there. Um, you know, I had a years ago, I had a, I had a Dodge pickup truck that I was building on the Eastwood channel. Um, when I worked there and I went to buy it from, you know, that was one of those like cold call things. I heard about a hoarder guy that lived up in the mountains near me and I went and see him and the guy's got like free roaming, like horses on his property and all this stuff that are just like walking around, like, like chickens, if you will. Like, and, and the horses are just like wandering around. He's got like dogs chained to cars and all kinds of wild stuff. And then, you know, just like navigating through, he's like, Oh, don't go over by those cars. That's where, that's where, you know, whatever random insert scary dogs name here. Uh, that's where he lives. And you don't go near that car. That that one you can't, I'm like, well, I'm really interested in the car behind it. And he's like, yeah, that you don't want to go near there. He's not nice. I'm like, okay. So, you know, and I had to drag it off the side of a mountain. Just, I don't know. I did all, all of these are usually pretty, pretty interesting. Um, but like I said, a lot of times I meet the, the you know, I'm, I'm learning the people after they passed away. Cause that the family is you, unfortunately a lot of these situations that the, the people, um, that are crazy collectors, they don't sell, they don't ever sell totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where our iron trap name came from. Like I, I looked up that word came to me and I looked it up and it was a, it's like a middle media medieval torture device or something like that. That was basically a trap you could not get out of. And that's what I call this hobby and collecting. Like, even when you're like, can't build cars anymore, you're still probably going to be like thinking about cars or, collecting or you might still go to swap meets and look for stuff even if you don't need it and like it never gets out of your your it's with you until you die it's, you know so that's what happens my wife is the, listening right now going oh no yeah. <laughs> there's no happen. cure <laughs> there is no cure there never will be and, and for some of us it, you may be able to control it but i mean it, it never fully goes away i mean i i know so many 
guys in their 80s and 90s that are like they're planning their next car build or they, they they're buying parts every day you know or they're they're calling me up hey what kind of new stuff did you get and i'm like you you got like 57 cars what do you need another <laughs> uh it's you know and it, they just can't that that i don't know like there's the people that like you can have one or two cars and you just you drive your your you know your collector car and that's it you have your nice clean two-car garage and that's it blah 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 but then like there's the whole other side of it where it's like you're collecting parts or memorabilia or, you know, you're always collecting for the next project. And when you get that mindset, it's, it's all over. You're, you'll never, you'll never be wealthy. You'll never, <laughs> you'll never have space. Well, you have to so, define wealthy. I think, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. Monetarily, you'll never be, it'll be hard to be wealthy because you'll just keep buying and buying and buying. The problem but, for me is space. I need some yeah. sort of building. If I had a building, yes. it would be, full apocalyptic it would just be the well work. and then you'd need another building <laughs> i know there's always more buildings i have a three-car garage right now and it's the walls are full of parts for the two projects i'm working on the next side over has got stuff on the wall for projects i don't even have anymore or things i want to yep. do or whatever if i had more space man i could tell you it could be it could be something special it would be exactly what you're doing with now just in a bigger building it yeah that sounds great when I when I bought my property with my shop, it's two thousand square feet and it's got real high ceilings. And I remember when I moved into like five cars or whatever I had at the time, like, man, I will never fill this place. And it's like you're like inching around cars and there's cars outside and cars and trailers and parts. You know, I got a warehouse, you know, three thousand square foot worth of parts at a warehouse space where we keep all our parts and I'm building an addition and it's already basically full with stuff before the addition's built. It's just a it doesn't end. It, it, you just keep buying. And, you know, if a good deal comes up and you have the space, you're like, you know what? I'll just pick it up. Why not? You know, I got the, I got the extra, extra, you know, parking space into my building. And then, <laughs> you know, so it, that's why a lot of these old guys that are like serious collectors, they own properties. That's in your next level. Like, right. Oh yeah. Let me take you to the other property. I bought this like old abandoned warehouse in my town because it was cheap and I needed somewhere to park some of my extra cars. Like, oh, and what's different for you too, is you work on your own stuff too. So you don't just collect it. You work on it. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, that definitely helps. I think cause I'm like, my hands are always, I'm always like conscious of what I have. Like when you're one of these, if you're just a collector and you just collect and collect and collect, you never really like, I'm always going back into my stuff to look for parts to build cars. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think I've, kind of keep myself under check that way where it doesn't get into like the crazy hoarding type collection. Well, I feel like if you don't drive it or I'm sorry, if you don't work on it, it's kind of like collecting baseball cards. You know, it's, yes. it's not quite the yeah. same. You know, the guys that have warehouses full of really clean cars hooked up to battery chargers is, is not really my <laughs> kind of thing. I'd prefer a much dirtier garage where if, where if you're wearing clean pants, you're not sure if you should kneel on the ground or not. That's my kind of place. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And a, a lot of those guys, they treat it, like any other investment, you know, they're just keeping it safe until it's worth more money, you know, and that's, that's, that's also cool. But yeah, I mean, I think it's cooler when guys actually use the cars and drive them and work on them, you know, and that stuff. I agree with that. Well, maybe after I finish this TDI trooper that I've got going on in this W114 that I shouldn't not have probably bought, uh, (laughs) Jake and I have been talking about doing some sort of roadster speedster thing together. So I might hit you up for some advice as time goes on here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that 
the really fun part about the really old cars is it's like back to the roots. So it's like everything's it's like a really fast go car. So everything's like really simple and very organic. You know, like like I use like I always tell people when you're building these antique cars, you have to own an oxyacetylene torch Mm -hmm. because you're like heating and bending and like stuff that you like in more modern cars. If you're like, oh, yeah, you take the torch and heat up that steering arm and bend it. You'd be like, what? Like, you know, and people would lose their minds and like, it, you're going to die. But like in the cars I'm into, that's like the normal thing. You're like, oh, the steering arm is in the way or it hits. Just heat it up and bend it and then like heat it up and bend it the other way. And it's fine. Like that's what they've been doing for years. And so it's kind of neat building stuff that way. And I mean, obviously you have to be smart about how you're doing it, you know, so that you're not like actually making the part unsafe, but like, that's the tried and true ways it's been done for, you know, almost a hundred years. And guys were going, you know, 200 miles an hour at Bonneville doing these methods. So us kids messing around on streetcars, it's totally fine. So you think there's, there is a younger generation that seems to be, you know, for a while, I think it was fading a little bit, just like the the hot rods and muscle cars, everything was kind of fading. But then as this, as we've been ramping up more and more into this EV car, autonomous car, you know, all this stuff, it seems like this stuff is getting a lot more popularity all of a sudden. People are really glomming on to, and it's not just this, it's tube amps, records, everything. It's just anything mm-hmm. that's tangible and means something, you can touch it, feel it, and do something with it yourself without pushing a button. seems like it's gaining a lot of popularity. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think people, like, everybody loves technology, but then, like, there is that nostalgia and there's something cool about, I mean, you can never beat doing something yourself you know whether it's um you know playing the drum a real set of drums you know is like or playing an actual real guitar rather than playing a video game where you're pushing buttons like you know all of this is like you know that accomplishment that sense of accomplishment when you do anything with a real tangible item i think nothing beats that feeling and that's hopefully why that stuff will always stay around and be, you know, younger generations will find it. I just think it's smaller percentages every time, you know, every generation that are getting into this old stuff. So that's, that's why I think people, and, you know, I, I feel, you know, that's big part of what we're doing on our channel is I'm trying to pass on this information that was only usually through word of mouth or in books. And if I could show it in our channel and it gets a 18 year old kid excited about building a hot rod, it's going to, you know, it gets the small percentage of the next generation into this stuff and keep it going. So where can people find your channel if they want to take a look? Um, so if you just literally Google Iron Trap Garage um, on Google, it'll just come up with our YouTube channel um, and Instagram, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, YouTube is our big, uh, we put out three videos a week for five or six years. Holy cow, man. I do. <laughs> I just started a YouTube channel of working on this Mercedes and this TDI swap and some adventure <laughs> stuff. I'm doing one a week. And, and it's actually, I feel like it's slowing me down having to do the YouTube channel stuff because I'm yeah. like, okay, well, I can't do this because I have to wait till I can film. And, you know, it's yep. it definitely hamstrings your ability to get shit done in a proper way. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a total different way of thinking when you start getting into um, like the way I build cars now is so fast backwards sometimes, like people don't understand it. Like I, I have like 10 projects going at once and we'll work real hard on a project for like a month or two. And then nobody, people won't hear about it for like a couple months and we're doing stuff in the background, but like, 
we're more concerned with like shooting stuff that's going to be video worthy. Right. Um, so it, it, yeah. And, and then there's a lot of stuff, you know, you're working on something that's like, Oh, well crap, I was going to weld this, but I got to stop and move the camera and set the lights up. And, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it's a lot. I, my, my best friend, Mike and I started the channel together and he luckily took interest in teaching himself how to edit. Um, so that's been, really the secret behind our growth and our um us being able to do as many videos as we do because he was kind of like in the very beginning like look i'll kind of like handle all the post-production stuff and you know a lot of the internet stuff you just focus on marketing and then of course doing the actual work and being on camera and that really is what helped us get three videos a week done and he's kind of got a system down now for editing so he's able to knock videos out but we're still like we're literally chasing our tails all the time. Like I'm still giving him footage for videos that are, you know, he's editing it tonight and the video is going out tomorrow. Right. So it's, it's kind of stressful sometimes, but it's, now that we're growing, it's finally getting a little better. I hired a guy in the shop, Steve full time that does like the behind the scenes buttoning up work and, um, all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it helps, but you know, it's, it is a lot of work. People don't realize it. You know, it's like the, the time that goes into post-production just to put a stupid YouTube video out is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're, you're doing very well. You've got well over a hundred thousand subscribers and I hope everybody takes a look. We've, we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, see if we can Thank send you. some people your way. I, I enjoy what you do and uh, I'll continue to follow what you're up to. And man, it was really great to connect with you again. Next time I'm out on the East coast, I keep going West, keep driving to the West <laughs> because I like the West because there's nobody out there halfway through. Yeah. There's no one around, yep. which I really like. But next time I come out that way, I'll make sure I give you a call and, I'd like to stop by and see what you're up to. Of course, you're welcome anytime, and I'll, I'll do the same if I'm out your way. Yeah, do you ever make it up to back to the 50s here? I uh, haven't been. I, it's just a, a show that usually uh, doesn't. It, there's a bunch of shows going on like the same time, so yeah. I, I usually don't pick that one. But it looks awesome. It's definitely one of the biggest ones in the country. I got to make it one of these years. I think it's the biggest car show in the world. Period. Period. It is the big. It, like really? by numbers, it's the biggest one. Not saying it's got the coolest cars, but it's the biggest. I didn't know that. That's 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 awesome. Yeah. Well, come Very on up. Cool. We'll we'll hang out. Yeah, that'll be awesome. All right, man. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We'll we'll see you around. All right. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye bye. Bye. Well, many thanks to Matt for coming on. It's been so long since I talked to him. It's good to reconnect. It's you know you recognize somebody's voice after so long, and you can <laughs> kind of run your ears through and go, "Oh yeah, I remember doing that." I actually remember the first time I ever saw a Wawa. What like, is Wawa? It's just a convenience store. But when you go, I remember him going, yeah, oh, yeah, let's stop over at Wawa. And I'm like, what the fuck is a Wawa? What the hell is that? Is that but like an East Coast thing? Yeah, it's just like Quick Trip here. Huh. Yeah, it's just Quick Trip. But uh, just all these memories come flooding back <laughs> of, of the forums and being a jerk on the forums and, you know, his cars that he built and doing some picture stuff. It's, it's always good to, to, to reconnect with people. Before we go any further, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a minute to talk about Oberk Car Care. Oberk is your source of professional detailing compounds and supplies that's research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves. They're the guys that are passionate about detailing and therefore know firsthand what makes a good product. And they are truly great products. It's a simple, foolproof two-step process for their cut and buff, and it's easy and gives an amazing finish. Right now, they're actually offering a 20% off your next order when you use the code OVERCREST. The discount code is good not only at OBERCCARCARE.com, but also on DetailedImage.com and CarSuppliesWarehouse.com. Check them out today. All right, so I, th you know, I think about these cars, and I, 
I really gravitate towards things that can look like the old Alfa Romeos, the old Bugattis, you know, these old cars that are open wheel, open cockpit, like doing like a, like a 32, 33 Ford coupe, nothing does nothing for me. My heart does not beat any harder when I see one of those. But when I look through this, you know, image search of these model T speedsters, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Because you want it to look like something it's not, you realize. You're after the old, like, pre-war, like, European race cars. Yes, yeah. That's, well, then, this isn't you. Hot Rod stuff is not that. Yeah, but you can make these look like that. Yeah, but that's, that's defeating the no, purpose. No, but, but even these speedsters, these Model T speedsters that I Google image search, I like all I know of them. What, I know what you're looking at and I, getting at. I like but, all of them. I like, I just, I want to feel like I'm driving something... <laughs> <laughs> like this, I guess a very simple have part. You, part of the whole hot rod Model culture, T? though. Oh, yeah, they're terrible. They're terrible. It's a tractor. It uh, most of this stuff, when you talked about, like everything's you know wrought iron, and you can just heat it up with a big torch. It's like, yeah, it's a tractor. These things are tractors. Yes, it's and you're like adjusting the is, timing with a little lever as you go. You have to move it as it warms up and stuff. On the original, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But it, yeah, part of hot rodding culture and the appeal is the sense of Americana. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thinking back to that day and age when, yeah, you'd be out there as a teenager and you'd be hopping up this old thirties Ford and you'd use the period correct speed parts that you had at that time. And I feel like that's not what you like about it. You like no. something totally I mean, different. I do, I do like that. I mean, that's not a like a turnoff for me. I'm not like anti like Americanism with any of this or anything <laughs> like that. I really do like that sense of, I like that period of time as well. Right. But I do not like, I'm not a big fan of like a Model A. It, or I'm sorry, a, a, a coupe, a Ford coupe. Yeah. And yep. I think it's because- Model A, 31, 32. That, that is like he's talking about. That is the pinnacle of when you say American hot rodding, that's a hot rod. I know. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And wh what's uh, what's the movie that I'm supposed to watch? That I've American, American Graffiti. You've yeah. never seen it. Never seen it. I have it's a, it's The fact that we host an automotive culture <laughs> podcast and you've never seen a American Graffiti is kind of a shame. Okay. I will, I will make sure that I see it. I mean, look at this. Milliner's Deuce Coupe when he's out there racing Harrison Ford. I'm going to look it up. Milliner's Deuce Coupe coupe right now see what i'm see what i'm what i see it's a five window yellow 32 ford it's okay i mean i agree i don't love that car but that is iconic yeah i mean i mean it looks like hot rod but i i still want like the i think of like the indie cars and going to like the racing daytona on the beach and these cars that are just a little bit so, more okay what we should do then is go to the race of gentlemen trog where they actually do beach races of yes. these old hot rods that's yeah i'm very Pre 1949 i think it is i mean so it. we should build a tea bucket for just that maybe and then drive it down do, there and do it i need to do more research on what i what i actually like you know i gotta I, it's, <laughs> you know what i also like is and if you follow the youtube channel you saw when i went and picked up the mercedes i like bjorn's old packard with the inline eight. Like, I really kind of like that thing. And what I would do is I would rip the whole top off and like make a race car looking thing out of it. I know everything I'm talking about is probably sacrilege. It's probably like some guy going, yeah, I'm going to buy a 911 and swap a Chevy motor into it. Yeah, basically. You know? And so I, I want to make sure that I'm not doing anything that's faux pas. I don't like, I don't like doing faux pas. Things. I don't, I don't <laughs> but wanna, you have no idea what you're talking, no idea about. What I'm talking about. I know what I need to do. What's that? I need to pick up some old hot rod magazines. Yep. I need to read them. I need to read some books. Look at look and at I the photo to... I just sent you. Okay. And this is, I think this is taken from Trog. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's just a Ford Roadster. That's basically what my dad is building right now, okay. is that car. 
and you just like go race on the beach and this is original hot rod stuff there yeah i like that quite a bit that's very cool we could do something like that (laughs) we could we could do it okay i mean it's no Mercedes 114, but I, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like this is so outside your wheelhouse. You're, What's you, wrong with that? No, it's awesome. What's I just feel like that? you need to realize like that's, that's not just a cheap little jalopy. I know that's the problem is in your head, you look at that and you're like, well, that's gotta be like, it's a tractor. That's like, I don't know, three 12, grand, 12 grand, or <laughs> yeah. 10, 12 grand. They gotta be more than that. Yeah. It gets expensive quick. Yeah. It shouldn't. They made millions of yeah, these but they're all gone they are gone aren't they're they? all gone gone baby gone you can get fiberglass bodies and stuff mm, i don't want a fiberglass body anything yeah i metal it's got to be metal car man i don't want any fiberglass they're gone <sighs> good luck well you can can you buy most of the panels it's the stuff has to be available from yes you from, can buy reproduction sheet metal bodies i bet you can buy reproduction sheet metal bodies i bet you can buy reproduction frames you, I can, bet you buy can buy everything set to go yes you can well, that's it's kinda... just money. <laughs> and that defeats the purpose. Yeah, finding you want the one. old cast iron thing that you have the scaly rust on. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I want to go f- I want to go to Arizona and stumble across one in a that desert. That won't happen anymore. Uh, With hot rod stuff? No. Well, some of the places I drive, maybe. Yep. Yeah, that's where you can still find Volkswagen stuff. Yeah. And like, but no, hot rod stuff, all of it's picked up. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone unless unless you're Matt and someone gives you a call and right. says, hey. Well, and because it's it's gone because those guys have gone and put it in their barn. Yeah. And then Matt just has a lead on the guy that had put it in his barn. Now is right. getting rid of it. Oh, but no, you're not going to find it just sitting somewhere. There, there are some. There are some. There's got to be. No. 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 They're all because gone. Because everyone in Scrape the last clean. 30 years has been looking for the them. The hot rod. It's like the, you know, when you're, you have food in your bowl that you really, really like. Okay. And you're kind of scraping the bowl with your spoon. And, oh, yeah. And it's been scraped. And the person and sitting next clean. to you is going, what the hell are you doing? It's gone. Okay. That would be, that would be <laughs> that, me. That's trying what's to, going yeah. on. Yes. All right. What have we got going on next week? Next week we have, I'm working on an interesting story. You got a story for us. I do have a story. All right. Well, we'll look forward to hearing that. We will see all of you next We're week. We're going to see them? Everyone? We it's a, it's a figure of speech, Jake. We'll, we'll I'll talk, hey guys, I'll talk at you next week. Take care. <laughs>